I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Last several weeks, we've been talking about evangelization, uh, and we've done that since Pentecost. The, the, this idea that we need to be about telling the story, this this good news, the, this amazing story that though we are sinners and have been separated from God, that Jesus Christ, God Himself, came to be among us, took on our very nature, uh, lived holy and without sin, a perfect life, offered himself on the cross for our sake to put us back in relationship, to make a way for us to re-enter that relationship with God. That's amazing. This is the most amazing love story that that's ever existed. This is the most uh, amazing story that's ever existed, and it's ours to tell. But we can't stop there. Evangelization is that proclamation, but now we need to go about discipleship, living that story out. Now what, right? This is the choose-your-own-adventure. You open it up, you get to this point in the story, and now you get to choose. What are you going to do, right? And so turn to page 81 if you want to continue as a disciple, and turn to page 62 if you think, you know, that, that kind of thing. And so here we are. We've spent the last, I think, six weeks talking about evangelization. You can catch all those episodes over at OutsideTheWalls.com. But today, we're going to turn our attention to beginning to develop that relationship. What does that now look like? And a lot of times in recent years, we've we've thought that that looks like some academic exploration, whether that be through a, a, a Bible study or a Sunday school class or, or some kind of catechesis. And we've looked at those things from a purely academic standpoint. And I think that that has done a disservice to us because really what we need to be looking at is how do we form our relationship with God? This is a, a formation uh, need. It's a formation uh, um, endeavor, right? This is not a, a, an academic endeavor. Now, certainly there will be some things that we learn. There will be some academics involved in that, but it, it's not academic in nature. It's relational in nature. It is, <clears throat> it's a, a matter of being spiritually built up and spiritually formed uh, that, that we are now called uh, to pursue. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about one specific way that one family is doing that. We mentioned them a couple of weeks ago in passing uh, about this couple in Oklahoma City that has people into their homes to pray Vespers once a week. And I got some really good feedback from that, and uh, they happen to be some acquaintances of mine. And so I I called them up and said, hey, why don't we talk about this on the show? And they were thrilled. Uh, They were really excited to do this because they they don't want to just do it for their own family in their own home with their own community. Uh, they want to, one, invite new people into their community all the time. And I know we've got a lot of listeners in the Oklahoma City area. But they also want to pass this on uh, and hope that it catches on in your home. Uh, it's something that's going to catch on in my home. This is something we're going to start up uh, as soon as we get through this this current season of our life. What is this current season, you ask? When am I going to start, you wonder? 
Well, we are currently, like right now, like as you're listening to this, we're on uh, we're on baby watch. Uh, and what that means is that any moment uh, I, I could get called out of the studio uh, to go and uh, have a baby. So um, if uh, if the show changes dramatically, just right in the middle, you know what happened, right? Uh, oh, oh, they must have had a baby. Don't worry, we've got you covered. There will be something playing here if that occurs. Uh, but it's an exciting time, but probably probably need to wait a, a week or two after the. <laughs> after the baby's born, uh, to do this kind of thing where we begin hosting people in our home on a weekly basis. Uh, but it's something that's very fascinating to me. Uh, and so we're going to be talking with, with Sam and, and Angela Jennings just in, in a you know couple of minutes here, uh, assuming <laughs> everything could get thrown off today. Uh, and really, I, as I was thinking about it, this, this whole concept of this concept, this reality of the baby coming, uh, really fits in well with uh, with what we've been talking about. Because evangelization is that thing that helps birth us into the kingdom of God. We hear the word of God, and we are transformed by it. We heard in the reading this last week that uh, that His word goes forth, God's word goes forth, and it uh, does not return to Him void. Right. So that that proclamation of the gospel goes out. And it doesn't return to avoid it. It transforms hearts and brings people into the kingdom of God. But once you're there, all of a sudden your needs are different, right? My son, who is uh, imminently uh, going to be arriving, uh, he he has a certain set of needs right now, and and those needs are being met uh, in the womb. But the time is coming very soon where those needs are going to shift dramatically because. Uh, he's going to need to be nourished and sustained and nurtured in a different way than he has been up until this point. And I, I've seen this a number of times as we talk about evangelization or as we talk about uh, catechesis or, or whatever your favorite topic happens to be, is that we kind of laser focus in and say, well, this is how it has to happen. Uh, do X, Y, Z, here's the little formula and all is good at the end of the day. And the reality is not only is every person different, right? And we talked about that some in recent weeks. Uh, every person needs to hear that good news, that same good news uh, in a way that connects to them, right? So there, that's where the relationship comes in. We, we have to have some point of connection and some relationship uh, to really well be able to, uh, to, to uh, facilitate the gospel, to, to bring that to them, to proclaim the gospel, uh, to proclaim it in a way that it's proclaimed to that person and not just generically. But then also, not only is every person different, uh, in, a, in an individual person, every stage of their life is a little bit different. Once they've heard the word of God, now we need to move into something else. Now we need to foster that relationship with Jesus. And so, uh, so we're going to be talking about one specific way this, this Tuesday night Vespers that this one family does. We're going to talk about that this week, and, and next week we'll probably bring up a, a different way that we can foster community, that we can foster a, a deeper understanding of our faith and a deeper connection to Christ. Because if this is the cosmic love story, if this is true, that God so loved the world that he became one of us and made a way for us to be in relationship with him, then it's well and good to proclaim that. But now let's step into that. 
What does that mean, that he made a way for us to be in relationship with him? Surely that means something more than he made a way for us to be able to go and spend an hour a week listening to uh, the the priest preach a homily and then doing this pretty much the same thing we do every week for that week. We've got it kind of memorized. We're looking at our watch and, oh, yep, yep, Father went over a little bit this week. It has to be more than that because that's a really boring relationship if that's all it is. There has to be something more. And what is that more? What is that more that God could come and speak directly to my soul, that I can have a conversation with with God, with the one who created the entire universe, who knows all things, and that he would want to talk back to me? I think that was probably the biggest thing for me is I was so used to prayer being me asking God for something. God, I have this thing that I want to talk to you about. Let me talk, 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 talk. Okay, I'll talk to you tomorrow, and then I'm out the door. And silence has been revolutionary for me, partly because I have six kids and one on the way, and you don't get much of it. So, you know, (laughs) but silence of being able to go into the Adoration Chapel and sit before the Blessed Sacrament and maybe pray morning prayer or afternoon prayer or evening prayer uh, out of the breviary, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, and then to just sit. You know, that, that takes about five, ten minutes. So once that's done, just to sit and to listen and to breathe and to say, God, I am here to hear what you have to say today. And that's different for me because you know, you know I'm a talker, Right? I like to talk, but to sit and to realize that me being in relationship with God, uh, it's a two-way street, just like every relationship, just like a relationship with a friend or a spouse. It's a two-way street, and God has things to say to me just as much as I have a lot to say. And so how do you, what's your growing edge? How do you foster your relationship with God right now? Just at this current stage in your life, what does that look like? Why don't you go over to facebook.com slash step outside the walls or Twitter, the handles at outside the walls and talk to me a little bit about what this relationship with God looks like for you. Uh, Not just so that you can express it, but maybe you have something, uh, you have a way of connecting with God that I need. Maybe I've, uh, I and my growing edge have missed it. Why don't you come and tell me what you do, and I'll tell you what I do. And together in this conversation and with uh, everyone else here, uh, we can develop our spiritual life in a new direction, in a new way, as we seek to live out that good news, that relationship that Jesus made a way for us to be a part of. When we come back here, we will be talking with Sam and Angela Jennings about something that they're doing in their home. They're not professionals. They're just like you and me. They're just opening up their home to friends to get together and pray the Vespers out of the Liturgy of the Hours, have a little bit of food, a little bit more. It's a great conversation. Don't go anywhere. Remember, go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, find all of our archives, and even support the show. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on our daily lives. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. In the last few weeks, we've been talking about evangelization and this time following Pentecost. We've, we've had several great conversations. You can go over to OutsideTheWalls.com and look through the episode archives and see all of those. But we can't stop at evangelization. Now we move forward uh, into uh, discipleship, into relationship. And so today we're having a conversation with Sam and Angela Jennings out of Oklahoma City. Uh, they run a group out of their home, a prayer group. You come together with people from around the area and have uh, Vespers every Tuesday night. So Sam, a- Angela, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for having us. We're very glad to be here. Absolutely. So now we met under um, under duress, under distressing uh, circumstances, and that was um, Christmas Eve vigil at St. Mary's with our children crashed out laying on the floor of the cry room. So that's it. You've you've been through uh, the the trauma that is taking your children to midnight mass. You you've got to be made of some pretty strong metal there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, midnight mass, particularly. Uh, particularly there where, you know, the cry room, you, you really have to jostle for space. There's, right. there's a lot of kids in, in St. Mary's Parish. So uh, you have done this thing, and I, I knew that you were part of it. Um, I'd heard about it. We actually talked about this a few weeks ago, having this this Tuesday night prayer group together of prayer and food and a little bit more. Uh, and I got a lot of response just from the mention of it. And so I wanted to bring you all on the show and talk about uh, what Tuesday Vespers is uh, and and what this what this plays out in in community life, how this builds community. So f- before we get too far into it, uh, obviously you're a, a glutton for punishment because you went to midnight mass with small children. But let's talk about what brought on this idea of of hosting communal community communal prayer in your home. Yeah. Um, well, uh, a couple a couple different things. Um, first of all. Um, We've always been very interested in being very active in our parish life and in, in the, the life of the, the church as a whole anyway. But when we started having kids, there came to be this tension of, you know, it seems like being a good Catholic means showing up at church every night. But right. if you're working and you're, you're feeding children, that's very difficult. Well, there has to be a way to marry those two things. You should be able to be good Catholics and not just have to show up and, and pile all the family in, in the car every night and head to the parish. Mm-hmm. And so then in my studies, I was reading a lot about how the Russian Orthodox Church survived the Bolshevik Revolution. And it, it seems pretty clear that the way it survived the revolution was because when, when the church collapsed on people, they took it into their own hands to, you know, start hiding their priests uh, in the house and start saying mass and, and divine liturgy, as they would call it, in, in their homes. And um, that uh, and also a lot of conversations with uh, folks in our parish, it, it, we got this idea that, oh, well, that's radically something we can do to, you know, no matter what's happening around us, whether or not there are parish closings or, or what, you know, we can always have people in our home. And moreover, on top of that, um, you know, you can incorporate 
other people into the dailiness of, of your own life, right? You know, so every night, every Tuesday night, well, what do we have to do as a family? We have to cook dinner, mm-hmm. you know, and ideally we also have to pray. Well, so we're doing things we do on a Tuesday night anyway. We're just including more people in it. Well, I love this idea uh, because, you, you know, when you look at the second chapter of Acts, you see that there's this great evangelistic moment. And then what do they do? They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And I heard this recently said that all the problems in our world could be solved if we could fix the family, that the, the problems come from familial problems, that uh, the, the problems that we have in our, in our homes manifest society-wide. Uh, but in doing that, I think so many people focus on just the family. And I would, I would postulate that the family can't be truly healed and whole if it's isolated. And so something that you're doing that I find fascinating and, and plan to begin implementing in our own home very quickly is to, to open the doors to remove the isolation that our society currently puts on us and, mm-hmm. and to get into this healing of community by being active in our faith, family to family. Yeah. No, and, and that's right. And one of the things we discovered first, uh, very, very quickly, and so the way we started is we, we did an experiment um, during Christmas of 2015, where we did two weeks every night. And, and that was like really intense. Mm-hmm. And then we uh, realized after that was over that we missed it. And so we, that's when it became a Tuesday night thing. But what happened very quickly um, is not only did we get single people in the parish, but we got lots of other families mm-hmm. to the point now where say we have 34 people on any, you know, Tuesday night, 20 to 30, somewhere in there. Most of those will be children, 60% at least. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and it's intense. And, uh, you know, it, you know, and, uh, top of that, you know, we're, we're in a, a house, there are five of us in a, a 1100 square foot home. And so a lot of creative use of space (laughs) to to make that work, you know? Um, So yeah, families, um, it's incredible. The, the, the number of people who, who have come up to Angela and I and just, you know, thanked us for, for doing it. It It's just like, it, 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 it's responding to something Mm -hmm. that, that wasn't there for a lot of people. We're talking today with Sam and Angela Jennings out of Oklahoma City who host uh, a prayer time, Vespers, every week in their home on Tuesdays. Everybody is looking for a a sense of community and a place to belong. And there are programs out there within parish ministries that, that attempt to help plug people in. And yet a program can only do so much. There is something about being in someone's home. For me, I think it's partially the commitment So on my end, um, obviously being committed, my husband has, Sam always does the majority of the work partially because I'm at work eight to five on Tuesdays, but, um, but the commitment of coming home and knowing that there are going to be people in your home, as opposed to complete liberty to go to the parish hall or not go to the parish hall. And so you've already put yourself in a place, um, where you've decided that you're going to be available Um, And of course, that's rewarding in the end, because the people who respond to that, who come to your home, it's like the perfect example of the stone soup imagery, if you just want to go, I mean, it's really in the end, 
uh, you sort of find yourself asking, well, what do we do that everyone else who's involved here isn't doing? They also are committed to coming to our home every Tuesday night and they bring a beautiful piece of the meal with them. And, uh, and we just happen to be a part of it by this point. So although, although the energy certainly started specifically with Sam, um, I mean, at this point, it's, it's very much a, a communal um, endeavor that, that doesn't really, I mean, it centers at our home, but it has extended to other homes um, as well. There are two other homes that do some version similar. Um, and uh, and every, every space is a little different and I think invites a sm- somewhat different crowd of people who may not feel comfortable in my home, mm-hmm. um, but will feel so- comfortable in someone else's home. So, and uh, yeah, and those relationships are just pretty binding, I think. So let's talk a little bit about this because you're using uh, one of the, the prayers of the church. You're using the, the liturgy of the hours. Uh, it's not like a, a program that, that you get through the book and you're done. This is a perpetual kind of a curriculum. Uh, Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Right? <laughs> There's, so the preparation, at least on what are we going to pray tonight, that's pretty well taken care of. Uh, what does a given Tuesday night look like in your home? Uh, it's very loud. So, <laughs> um, a given Tuesday night looks, um, I think, very important to us is making people feel comfortable. So they come, um, they know they're welcome to come to prayers at about 7 or food after at about 7.30, if in case they happen to not be Catholic or um, or uncomfortable with that piece or part of the family maybe isn't Catholic and part of them are. Um, so... I mean, you know, who wants a drink? Who wants to sit down in the backyard? Um, people chat and and uh, chase the children around, and we sort of discover what the vibe is going to be for the evening. You know, sometimes people are are tired and are just looking for a little quiet escape to let their children go run in my backyard without having to pay attention to them. And sometimes people are looking to engage or are excited about something. So you sort of I think you discover what the what the mood of the evening is. And then we settle um, in and collect ourselves, and uh, and we say prayers, uh, and sometimes we just go in a circle, or sometimes uh, as far as which piece different people. So everyone participates. Um, primarily, Sam will open and close and um, assign parts for for the prayers, uh, and then after we say prayers, um, we usually just jump into um, saying grace over the food, and uh, and then try to keep the children from uh, completely overrunning the food table, uh, which is the most nervous part of the evening for me, but, uh, but I get past it and, uh, and then everyone eats and, and stays for as long as they want. And sometimes it's very merry and people stay for a couple, several hours. And sometimes, like I said, people are tired and they have a bite and, and they go home. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it's very living and, and changing from Tuesday to Tuesday in that way. Today we're talking about uh, one couple's endeavor to bring prayer into their life and into their parish life with the relationships around them. Sam and Angela Jennings out of Oklahoma City. We're going to talk in this next segment about how you can do this in your home and how they can even help you. Uh, Join the conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. And talk to me about a very meaningful prayer experience to you. We'll be right back right after this.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on our daily lives. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and today we're talking with Sam and Angela Jennings about something that they do in their home that you can do. Something that, you know, we all are looking for a place to belong. We're looking for that that place where we fit and we know that this is our thing. And sometimes we look for that in the parish and we have a, a Bible study we go to, or maybe we do a daily mass on a certain day or whatever the case is. We've got our thing that we do to help us feel more uh, in tune with our faith, that we're growing and we're moving into something else. But uh, the Jennings here, they have something in their home that is very intriguing to me because it, one, it's low maintenance in terms of figuring out, you, maybe you say, you know, I can't, I can't teach anything. I don't know what to do. I can't. Well, the Jennings are doing this thing in their home where they come together on Tuesday night with a group of people and pray the liturgy of the hours, pray Vespers. So it's already set up for you in the breviary. And uh, so we're, we're talking again today with Sam and Angela Jennings. Thank you again for taking the time uh, and talking with us today. Oh, thanks for having us. So Tuesday, it's coming right up. Got a couple of days. Someone wants to find out more about this. Maybe you've got a few hundred people that want to come crash your party this Tuesday. Perfect. (laughs) Uh, And so here we are. They're they're looking for you. They go to Facebook and they type in the search bar. They type in Tuesday Vespers. Yes? Yes, that's it. Just Tuesday Vespers. And you're one of the only ones, if not the only one, that pops up when they hit enter. I believe so. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there are other groups called Tuesday Vespers right now on Facebook. So, you know, they should find us pretty, pretty quickly. You know, I think it's got a pretty uh, lo-fi uh, icon <laughs> where, you know, it's just like, you know, something I found on Google, like a dove coming down from the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, yeah. It's, it's right there. It's right it's, there. It's right there. So you want to know how to do Tuesday Vespers. You can contact them on Facebook. It's extraordinarily easy. I did it, and here they are. So obviously they respond here on Facebook. But let's. you talked about you, you were wanting to do something uh, that didn't involve being in the parish every night. You were wanting to grow in your family. And and so here you decide, hey, let's, let's invite people over to prayer. Uh, if I go to your Facebook page now, I see that you've got 78 people who like that page. I'm assuming they don't all come every week, but but maybe they do. Here you, you've got 78 people who like it. What was the first night like? You say, okay, we're going to do this. You, you put the word out there. You invite everyone, and then what happens? Well, the first night we did it, uh, so we started out having it over two weeks, over Christmas of 2015. Um, the first night, we actually only had one person. And this is important. That person was the uh, evangelization and outreach coordinator at our parish, St. Francis of Assisi, uh, Carrie um, who, who, Stender, who was, you know, very supportive all the way through. So, so that's an important component. You know, every step of the way, you know, people from the parish mm-hmm. um, have been very supportive. You know, uh, I think often we can, um, it, it can feel somewhat like, it can easily slip into feeling like you're, you know, starting your own church outside of the actual church. And that's, that's not what we're about. Um, so the first evening she came over and it was wonderful. We just had a lovely supper. I think I made a quick pasta sauce and we said prayers and discovered for the first time that different versions of the breviary 
uh, were some, <laughs> somewhat different. <laughs> it's like, wait, you're saying that antiphon, but I've got this antiphon, which only compounds uh, when you start doing it online as well with divineoffice.org versus universalis.com. Right. Um, and so we just had a lovely time. She read some books to the boys. We sent them to bed and had a conversation about, about our parish and about our community. And, and then from there, I don't think we've ever had just one person uh, to, to the point now where it, you know, gets anywhere from 20 to 30. So you're, you, you mentioned your square footage earlier. You don't have a whole lot of space there. Uh, you just must be immaculate housekeepers. How do you, how do you entertain so many people? Because uh, uh, well, pe- people would be I- nervous to have, you know, to open up your home because, you know, you're rushing around before people get there and shoving laundry in the in the oven like my house. <laughs> uh, the oven did smoke us out of the house once when someone warmed up their lasagna in it, I think. So that wasn't their fault, but ours. But uh, no laundry thus far in the oven. <laughs> uh, that's my main source of anxiety. Also, I don't I don't get the credit because um, Sam happens to primarily be home, um, uh, at least up and um, up until this point on those days. So he does most of the prep work. Um, but uh, sometimes you close the back door to the bedroom and hope that no one really needs to go in and change their child's dirty diaper in, you know, in that space. And uh, it's a little humbling, I guess. I'll, I'll say humbling as opposed to humiliating, but um, but it, it, it's it's a little bit hard because you, you're you used to putting your best foot forward. If you invite someone over, you're sort of, you have a standard that's set. And when you do it on a constant basis, life happens. And sometimes life did not lend to um, the meal that you ideally would have um, cooked or uh, the the cleanliness level that you would normally hold yourself to or when you have company, hold yourself to. So it's a little different than company per se, although it clearly is at the same time. I think that this is something that we came to as a family as well, is the realization that everyone has this standard for how they should host when they're bringing someone over. Yeah. Uh, and we, we've all been raised with it. We all have this expectation, but no one ever really meets that. And if we wait for, for our perfect uh, environment to, to manifest, we'll never get to the place where we have people over. And That's so we, we got to the place where the, what we have done is uh, Sunday after Mass, we invite random people over for brunch. Oh wow! Uh, and so, because pancakes are easy to multiply, right? So we, you never know who you're going to have. You're, so you just always keep your eyes open. Who, who, who's the victim this week? <laughs> and we got to the place where we just had to say, you know what? We have six kids. We're about to have seven, but we're on baby watch right now. Uh, we're about to have seven kids, and uh, it doesn't matter if I did the dishes five minutes ago. There are going to be dishes in the sink, and yep. and I have to if I'm going to engage in community. If I'm going to be open to be in relationship with someone else, then I have to get over myself yeah, and realize that their house is going to look like this too. And they're going to have grace for me. And if they don't, then they're going to learn something this week. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and it's, it's funny how it evolves too. So, um, you know, now say if I'm getting home from, uh, from class uh, a little bit late and I don't have a t- chance maybe to set the potluck table. Well, I have a drawer in my kitchen. That's the Tuesday Vespers drawer it just kind of happened out of necessity. And people now 
are regulars, they'll come and they see there aren't any cups on the table. Well, they just, they don't ask. They just go over to the cup drawer and they get cups out. And so, so in a way, the space really becomes communal and that's great. I love it that, that, that all of these people like know that they can go into the Tuesday Vespers drawer and pull out cups and, and whatever that they need, that that kind of, uh, the habit has reinforced the sense of we're praying together and we're working together too. And it's, it's beautiful. So now let's turn our attention just a little bit. What fruit have you seen outside of Tuesdays? in your relationships at the parish and beyond uh, from what you've been doing together on Tuesday nights? I, the, the most important one that comes to my mind um, has been the wonderful relationships that I've seen my children forming with other adults who have much more knowledge of the Catholic faith than I do, um, who are able to guide them and offer them um, perspectives and love of their faith that they would not necessarily have gained solely from me um, in their lives. So uh, there's there's one of our um, beloved members who comes and um, puts my oldest through a really rough game of chess occasionally, and <laughs> and and my children, in the midst of there being a crowd, will even sometimes to to the exclusion of playing with other children we'll sit down with that person who they have a relationship with and play a game of chess in the midst of everything. Um, and, uh, and there are other really wonderful examples of um, obviously people who are just wonderful friends who would do anything for us and we would do anything for them. Um, but, but seeing my children um, notice things from Vespers and then, you know, that same hymn will come up in mass and they'll get very excited at mass because it's connected to home, it's connected to people that they know, um, and I feel that that for them, church is already automatically uh, community. It's not just a thing that they are obligated to do on Sundays. Right. Sam, what about you? What have you noticed, the fruit of this? Yeah, uh, the other end of that is the support community for for the parents. And so not only seeing people at mass who, you know, they've been to your home. And so uh, a deep sense of community, but having each other's backs as parents, you know, um, not every parish is easy on parents, right. you know, and, and, you know, we, we all can point to experiences where, where we've seen that be true. Um, but to know that, you know, gosh, I had a bad day on Sunday. Somebody yelled at me cause my son was too loud and they can send a text or an email chain to the group saying, Guys, I'm really struggling with this. Say a prayer for me. So just the fruit being the thing itself almost, where it's just literally that is your community then. And and you're you're living and working and praying alongside people. And it's 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 profound and it's deep and and it 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 gives someone a lot to look forward to and a lot to stand on. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, a lot to, just a lot to stand on. For more information about this, if you want to start this in your home, go to Facebook, type in Tuesday Vespers in that search bar, and then send them a message. They'll they'll be happy to sit down with you. Maybe even invite you over. You'll have to bring dessert. That's okay. And they will walk you through setting this up in your own home. We've been talking today with Sam and Angela Jennings out of Oklahoma City, the founders of Tuesday Vespers. 
We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith and our daily lives. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. We've been talking today with Sam and Angela Jennings about their practice of having uh, people into their home uh, to do Vespers every every uh, Tuesday night. And uh, this is something that we want to do in our own household. Maybe it's something you want to do in your own household. Uh, it's a really easy thing to do, and not only that, but the people who are doing it, Sam and Angela, they want to help you do it. So if you want to find out more about uh, Tuesday Vespers, maybe you want to start attending at their house, or maybe you want to start it in your own, uh, give them, a, give them a, a shout out. You can do that over on Facebook.com. Just uh, type in Tuesday Vespers and uh, in the search bar, and they're, they're one of the first ones to come up. Or go over to my, my Facebook page, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Twitter, the handles at outside the walls. I'm going to post the link directly to their Tuesday Vespers group. Uh, and so th- they want to talk with you. They want to help you get this started where you are uh, because they have found it to be so fulfilling. Now, we had a little bit more of the conversation with them, and it can be yours. You can have access to it. We also have uh, done a little bit of a a video recording that we're going to make available to those people who are supporting the show. If you go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, there's a little Patreon link up at the top. If you'll click that, you'll notice that there are a number of different levels that you can support the show, and each of those levels come with different rewards, everything from uh, book giveaways to video chats to uh, these extra unbroadcast segments. Uh, That can be yours really for a very small amount of money, less than uh, you'd spend on coffee in a month, right? Uh, $10 a month gets you uh, the video chats. $5 a month gets you the unbroadcast segments. Uh, And just as little as $2 a month, you get extra content that you don't get here on the show. So I want to encourage you, go over and take a look and help support the work we do and get cool stuff in the process. So today we've been talking about what it looks like for us to enter into relationship with Jesus Christ. And and it really is a fitting day to do that because today is the feast day of St. Mary Magdalene, she who had this this beautiful relationship with Jesus. And so as we we spend time in our readings, um, both from Scripture and church history, think on that relationship, that relationship of, of Jesus Christ and Mary Magdalene. And think about if your relationship matches what's being said here. Specifically, as we as you go, if you went to Daily Mass today and you heard this reading, would this sound like what you experience when you go to Mass? Uh, today, what we're going to do for our reading is the responsorial psalm. And, and it just really encapsulates, I think, what we're talking about here, this fact that there is a deeper relationship that is out there just waiting for you to enter into. And we hear this, my soul is thirsting for you, O Lord, my God. O God, you are my God whom I seek. For you, my flesh pines and my soul thirsts like the earth, parched, lifeless, and without water. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord, my God. Thus have I gazed toward you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory, for your kindness is a greater good than life. My lips shall glorify you. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord my God. 
Thus will I bless you while I live. Lifting up my hands, I will call upon your name. As with the riches of a banquet shall my soul be satisfied. And with exultant lips, my mouth shall praise you. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord my God. You are my help. In the shadow of your wings, I shout for joy. My soul clings fast to you. Your right hand upholds me. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord my God. That responsorial psalm comes from Psalm 63. You want to go look it up? It'll look a little bit different, uh, but it's worth the time. Read that whole psalm in context, Psalm 63, and, and ask yourself, is this the, the level of desire I have to be with Christ? Because it doesn't even begin to, to represent the level of desire Christ has to be with you. The level of desire Christ had was so great that he offered his very life. He offered the entirety of himself so that you could have a relationship with God the Father, so that you could enter into relationship with him. This is the, the most amazing story. We talked about that right when we started. This is the most amazing story, and it's true, right? It's a true story. So if, if you hear this and you're like, gosh, man, that sounds a little bit intimate. I don't know. It is. It is intimate. And Christ invites us into that intimacy, into that vulnerability. Today's reading from church history comes from a homily on the Gospels by St. Gregory the Great, where he talks about this relationship, this intimacy that Jesus had with Mary Magdalene. And we hear this. When Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and did not find the Lord's body, she thought it had been taken away, and so informed the disciples. After they came and saw the tomb, they too believed what Mary had told them. Then the, the text then says, The disciples went back home, and it adds, But Mary wept and remained standing outside the tomb. We should reflect on Mary's attitude and the great love she felt for Christ. For though the disciples had left the tomb, she remained she was still seeking the one she had not found. And while she sought, she wept. Burning with the fire of love, she longed for him who she thought had been taken away. And so it happened that the woman who stayed behind to seek Christ was the only one to see him. For perseverance is essential to any good deed. As the voice of truth tells us, whoever perseveres to the end will be saved. At first, she sought, but did not find. But when she persevered, it happened that she found what she was looking for. When our desires are not satisfied, they grow stronger. In becoming stronger, they take hold of their object. Holy desires, likewise, grow with anticipation. And if they do not grow, they are not really desires. Anyone who succeeds in attaining the truth has burned with such a great love. As David says, My soul has thirsted for the living God. When shall I come and appear before the face of God? And so also in the Song of Songs, the church says, I was wounded by love, and again my soul is melted with love. Woman, why are you weeping? Whom do you seek? 
She is asked why she is sorrowing, so that her desire might be strengthened. For when she mentions whom she is seeking, her love is kindled all the more ardently. Jesus says to her, Mary. Jesus is not recognized when he calls her woman, so he calls her by name, as though he were saying, Recognize me as I recognize you. For I do not know you as I know others. I know you as yourself. And so Mary, once addressed by name, recognizes who is speaking. She immediately calls him Rabboni, that is to say, teacher, because the one whom she sought outwardly was the one who inwardly taught her to keep on searching. That reading comes from a homily on the Gospels by St. Gregory the Great. And I think that we have so much to learn from Mary Magdalene. Do we really have this burning desire for Christ when we go to Mass each week? I remember before I was confirmed, I would, I would go to daily Mass uh, at the Chancery. And I would sit there when, when through the whole thing, but specifically when we got to that prayer, and behold the Lamb of God. And I would say, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word. And in that moment, I felt that burning, that desire that, that is described here for Mary Magdalene, that deep desire for the Eucharist. And that ultimately carried me through that desire, knowing that that desire could be fulfilled as I entered into full communion with the church. That desire carried me through some uh, really significant difficulty uh, because I longed for the Eucharist. I longed to be in union with Christ. What does it take for you to have that kind of longing? Maybe you you haven't had that kind of longing in a long time. Maybe uh, Mass has become pretty routine. I invite you, I encourage you to explore what it would take to really begin to long for the Eucharist, to realize that this is Christ coming to meet with you, not in a, uh, a, <clears throat> a perfunctory doctrinal sense of, oh yeah, Christ meets us in the Eucharist, it's his body, blood, soul, and divinity, but really sit there and say, this is Christ coming to meet with me. This is that good news taken to the next step and to begin forming your heart to realize that we are coming now to receive Christ in all of his fullness, to develop a relationship that he made a way for back on the cross. But that was step one in a long line of steps that bring us into union, full union with God the Father. We become as, as the the book of uh, John says, I think, we become sharers in the divine life. Man, there's nothing more amazing than that. There's nothing more phenomenal than that love story, that God became man so that we might become like God, that we might enter into that divine life and share that relationship with him. That's all the time we have this week. I hope that you'll take the time to go over to our Facebook page and look up Tuesday Vespers and see about starting something similar in your home. Today's show is brought to you by longtime supporter Chip Scheitlin. You want to join him and become a supporter of the show, go to OutsideTheWalls.com and click that Patreon link. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.